Chad Johnson, one of the top NFL receivers of his era. I had fun playing the game of football. I made it fun to be a Bengal fan again. While he took the league by storm with his showboat attitude and record-shattering play, the man once known as Ocho Cinco eventually found himself at odds with the organization he'd come to love. It would have been great to be around when times were good. I never, knew what it, I never knew what it felt like to win at the place I felt like was home. But it was a 2012 arrest that led to jail time and the end of his NFL career. How tough was that period for you to go through? Very. You think about your mistake, you know? We're taking a look back at her 2015 interview with Johnson at his home outside of Fort Lauderdale. At the time, he was adjusting to life after football, reflecting on the mistakes he made, and sharing his views on the issue that continues to plague the league. Are they doing enough, you think? But first, the decision Johnson had to make early on, following a life of crime in Miami's Liberty City neighborhood, or devoting his life to the game that would make him a star. How clear were you growing up that you needed to make it in football? Well, I needed to make it as something. You know, there are only two ways. There's left and right where I'm from. There's left and right, and sometimes you have those in the middle, you know? There weren't very, very many academic scholars coming out of Liberty City. And what's left and what's right? You had the street life to the right, and you had sports to the left. And you have those in the middle that that would maintain, maintain that regular lifestyle. I was talking to one of your close friends, Trent, the other day, who described the area you grew up in as quiet but deadly. It's quiet in the daytime. Quiet in the daytime. After five, it, it goes down. Then what does goes down mean? Your killings, your murders, your... If you're looking for someone, if something happened, if someone's done something to you, everything is done in the dark, as always. Not just Liberty City, where I'm from, that's anywhere, you know? That's anywhere. Very, very dangerous. Even still to this day, we're on First 48, you know, we're always on the news. It's, I mean, there's, there's stuff going on everywhere. I can just tell you about where I'm from. That's all I know about. How many friends that you've had over the years were killed or sent to prison? A lot, man, over the years, a lot, a lot. And I, I couldn't even think of a number. Uh, your, your friend was telling me that another one was killed over the past year. I mean, to what just, extent? Just recently, this was last year sometime, yeah? Earlier this year. Earlier this year. To what extent do you almost start becoming numb to it because it, it's it's happened happened so so much. Much. It happens so much when you're young. It happens, you see it so much when you're young. By the time you hit my age, like 50, you're numb. You're already numb to it. You come from the right place, stuff like that is, uh, you know, where you should feel bad, you should feel sad. Yeah, you feel sad, but it's like, okay, another one. And there's only, there's only so much you can say because you understand what's going on. The things that you don't see, you know what's going on. So it's like, uh, that's that, that going to the right. Going to the right, it only leads to two things. Prison or death? That's it. That's it. Do you enjoy that time 
there's a time where you you're you're here you're you're here you're doing it you're doing your thing what happened to your grandpa oh grandpa grandpa got killed in 94 he got killed in 94 and I was blind to the fact of what was going on back then but he was um from what I know of the stories I've heard back then, he was, you know, extremely big, in a sense, in that game to the right, you know, extremely big. And I, I was blind to it, and I, I had no idea. And he got killed, he got killed in 1994. Why? I don't know. Nobody knows still. You know, things like that are... I always kept hush. That was it. Still don't know to this day. It's 2015. How did you find out? When I got a little older, family family members told me. I mean, how did you find out? Oh, how, I, how it, he or missed, when it happened. He missed my high school game. And he I, was I, always yeah, at. He was always school. at all my games. I never forget. We were playing highly at Miami Lakes. Rohan Davy was a quarterback. Remember Rohan Davy? Sure. Yeah, Rohan Davy was a quarterback, and he missed the game. That night, he missed the game. I couldn't figure out for the life of me, and we lost first round of the playoffs. And that's when I found out. Yeah, that's crazy. I found out that night. Your close friend, two years older than you, was in prison for dealing cocaine. Um, he told me that, you know, back in the day when you guys were growing up, mm -hmm. you actually wanted to go out on the block mm -hmm. with him and sell drugs, but he said, basically no, you know, go home because he didn't feel like that life was for you. Mm -hmm. How true is that? Completely. My grandma would probably kill me, you know? But I wanted to be in. When you're young, you know, you don't really, you don't think for yourself, but whatever is hot, whatever is going on, whatever is going good and everyone else is doing, that's what you want to do. So where I come from, that's what everybody's doing. Man, they 16, 17, Fly clothes, fly shoes, nice cars, 16, 17. Mercedes, you know, it was, it, was, it was crazy. The jewelry, and I was fascinated by that at that time. And in fact, my grandma kept me so enclosed, I was, ex I was even that much more fascinated because I was like, this is what I'm missing out on. Really? Yeah. My grandma was strict, man. Like I had to be in the house before the, the lights came on on the street. There's no way to live. It worked out. And then I had a group of individuals that were extremely, in society's eyes, dangerous, bad. Like, no, no, no jokes, like serious. But I didn't see that's not the side of them I got to know. You know we grew up, we talk about from childhood up, and at some point they drifted right and became extremely powerful and then ran an entire city. Like, I wanted to be part of that, that's cool. And what were they running? Just everything. drug sales? Every, everything. Literally. Everything. They were extremely powerful. How did it make you feel at the time when they would your me friend home? didn't want you to be part of it? I didn't understand it then. I understand it now. Well, I understand it way, way. I mean, I understood it in 2001 when I right. made it. I understood it when I was going to visit him in prison. How grateful are you? By very, what he did. Very. 
Barry. I remember the first time I went to see him, his first words, first words was, now you see why? Just like that. Now you see why I sent your ass home? That was cool. That was cool and very grateful. I, just, I, I think about all the examples where people try to do something like I was trying to do, and those group of individuals bring them in instead and allow them to. And so we, I had an entire area that actually shunned me away, sort of made me an outcast almost in a sense. And why you? Because of the football. They, they, they knew could, they already could, they then. Could, they, they could see, yeah. I, was, okay. I was, wasn't all rural, mm -hmm. but they can see I, it was something special. You know, to your credit, uh, your friend uh, Trent said when he was in jail, there were a lot of people that just forgot about him. Mm -hmm. And here you are, this NFL star mm -hmm. who's visiting him mm -hmm. and yeah. keeping in touch and never forgot. You want to, I'm going to give you a, a comparison to what Trent was. So you kind of get a, a picture. Remember how Pablo Escobar was? Mm -hmm. So just picture that in Miami, in Liberty City. Like that, that was our Pablo Escobar for our area. And that's, that's as big as I can get, and he was just about as big as him. So now it kind of, you understand. Uh, so he's in jail, mm -hmm. uh, and you were able to participate in a few of the inmates' sports games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Basketball, football, Man. the last of which, the basketball game I hear mm -hmm. was pretty epic. Yeah, it was. Here's and Chad Johnson, this <laughs> big-time NFL player coming in. Yeah, it, and, it was uh, fun. You really kind of hooked them up for a pretty good basketball game, I understand. Yeah, basketball, football was my favorite. Okay. We, we played football, ping-pong, chess, spades. We had all type of all type of games on, on different, you know, different visits. It's just when one time you're thinking, this is the federal penitentiary. These dudes hadn't, you know, you're locked up, you're confined for a reason. And for me, let alone whatever channels I had to go through to get the blessing from the warden at that time to allow these things to happen, man, it was really fun, man. And put a, put a smile on the a lot of individuals' faces. I think they were most excited from what I understand about the cheerleaders you that you were able to bring. <laughs> yeah, how, how that was fun. How'd that happen? You know what, I, I don't know how it happened, but I asked a young lady friend of mine, I'm not, what, not sure what strings they pulled on their end to be able to make it happen, but I got uh, maybe about 15, 15 friends of mine that were modeling at the time, and I asked them to come down to me, come down with me, you know, to the, the federal penitentiary, you know, down by the zoo. And man, we, we <laughs> uh, you gotta understand, some of these dudes haven't seen women, you know, in years, years. There was a guy in there, he, he was doing a bid for like 77, hadn't seen a woman in so long. And if you could have seen their faces, when I have 15, these are just not 15 models, like gorgeous, fine from head to toe, like, ah. It was unreal. What's a jail do when you show up with 15 uh, models? It was, it, was, it was a confined area. We had, you know, we had all type of board games and stuff to play, spades, dominoes, <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. That was, that was, that was epic. Your parents, uh, your biological parents, I know your grandmother um, my, raised you. My mom, was, my mom was around. She was there. She had to do what she needed to do. 
to be able to provide for herself, to provide for my brother. And at the time, I'm not sure what came about in the agreement. I think at the time, my grandma felt the best fit for me was with her. How would you best explain what your grandma has meant to you? Everything. That's like, uh, that's my rock. My rock, that's my, that's my foundation. You know, everything is built on a foundation and that would be the foundation, you know? Well, how would you explain the role that she played in your life? That was my mom, my dad, like everything. Everything intertwined in one, everything. Everything I learned, like that's all, that's all I had. That's it. My grandma, you know, I had my mom was, was there also. I'm talking about hands-on, every day, 24-7, driving me to school when I'm in trouble, coming to the school, talking to the teachers, parent-teacher conference, dropping me to tennis, dropping me to soccer, dropping me to football practice. You know how tiring that is over the years? And she did all that and didn't give up even when she wanted to. And I'm thankful for everything she's ever done. She never gave, well, she gave up me so long ago, man. So long ago, but she didn't. I'm really thankful for that. You know, now times are kind of tough for her, you know, now that she's up in age. And, you know, health issues, early stages of dementia, so things aren't the way I like them. But it's life. How tough is that on you to watch her going through that? It's tough. It's tough. But I, I understood that was coming at some point. You know, she lost both of her sisters to the same thing already. And um, she's the last, last one left. But she's funny. It's so funny. It's, it's, it's funny, what, but it's funny? not funny. Because sometimes, you gotta think, she, you raised me all your, all your life, all my life, basically. And to come home sometimes to her not know who I am, that's funny. Like, who are you? Mommy is me. And she has no clue. And like five minutes later, Chad, what you doing here? You so ugly today. <laughs> what happened? And that's what's funny because she'll come out of nowhere with humor and then in one instant doesn't even know who I am walking in the door. So sometimes she's present and other times sometimes it's... she's not, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And here's this lady who took care of you for so long and now you're in a way yeah. it's funny. taking care of her. It's funny, but it's not funny. What did you think of your mom growing up, and how, if at all, mm -hmm. does the view differ today? I love her. It's mom. You know, she gave me life. She gave me life. You know, other than that, I don't really think too much into it. I don't worry about the past or what happened in the past. You know, that would always be my mom, no matter what. Your dad uh, was in jail for a time for selling drugs. 23, 24 years, something like that. What do you remember from the first time you met him? It was cool, but even though my dad wasn't around, I wasn't the type like, oh, you weren't here. You know, I don't want anything to do with you. I was, I was different, man. I wanted, to, I wanted to know who he was, you know? I already knew what happened. I already read up on what happened, so I'm not coming at you to, to talk about why you left and nah. I want to know who my father was, and, and I, we created a relationship once he got out. Came up to a couple of games. Enjoyed our time together here. Oh, we smoked cigars together, <laughs> you know. And um, I said he passed away and maybe two, three years ago from pancreatic cancer. Um, how much communication had you guys had before you met him for before, the first none. time? None. Why? Grandma, I think they must have, they kept everything like, and they hated the fact that once he did get out that I'm reaching out. 
You really? Know? Of course. He wasn't there for you. He was like, man, I don't care about all that. I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay, I understand. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't do it. He didn't take care of his responsibilities. Okay, I understand. I still want to know who my father is. I was, um, we featured Charles Barkley for an episode not too long ago, mm -hmm. and he said the biggest challenge he had in developing a relationship with his father mm -hmm. was that he first came around when the times were good, mm -hmm. when he'd already made it and, you know, was this wealthy mm -hmm. uh, basketball player. You were, you know, on your, your way, and I, I think I read that, um, you know, the communications mm -hmm. really started to pick up once you mm -hmm. got to the... NFL, if that was true, no. how tough was because it? Because remember, I was already in the NFL. He was still, he, he was still, um, he was still locked up. Mm -hmm. So I caught him on the back end, on the tail end, not tail end, but like the beginning of my career, maybe year two or three, something like that, and was, established that relationship. Now it wasn't like every day, like right. my grandma and mom. It wasn't like that. Was it tough at all, not knowing what no. if there were different, you know, unknown intentions because you're already this no. successful football player? Mm -mm. Okay. He had already lived the lifestyle that I was able to provide at that point. He'd done that. So it's different, you have to understand. What does he want for that he hasn't done already? And what do you need at that age anyway? No, there was nothing I could do that he hadn't done already. The, the first time you apparently felt a connection with him was actually at his funeral. Um, what was it about that that made you suddenly feel close to him? I thought I was close to him before that, honestly. I mean, I hate the fact that our relationship was short, for one, but I tried to make the most of it throughout the time that I did have once I got to understand and know who he was. And that was, that was the best I could do. Like, I was never one of those that really thought, like, what's done is done. So I never thought about the past like my grandma did, or like other people do. I don't. Like, I'm living in the now, right now, and what can we do going forward to improve on what we missed on? And, and that was it. The, the first time you apparently felt a connection with him was actually at his funeral. Um, what was it about that that made you suddenly feel close to him? I thought I was close to him before that, honestly. I mean, I hate the fact that our relationship was short, for one, but I tried to make the most of it throughout the time that I did have once I got to understand and know who he was. And that was, that was the best I could do. Like, I was never one of those that really thought, like, what's done is done, so I never thought about the past like my grandma did, or like other people do. I don't. Like, I'm living in the now, right now, and what can we do going forward to improve on what we missed on? And, and that was it. So you're in the conversation yeah. about being drafted reasonably high mm -hmm. up in the first round. You go to the NFL Combine, which is kind of the, the biggest event for uh, NFL prospects, and you're running the 40-yard mm -hmm. dash, and you slip, and you I get slipped. the four, five, seven, and yep. the 40. What's your reaction afterwards? I was, I was mad. I was mad. But then, like, that clock, that clock, to be able to slip 
and be able to recover and still run a 4.5, people don't know 4.5 is extreme. That's fast. That's not slow. And to be able to slip with the clock that they use at the combine is moving. It's moving. So, I mean, I wasn't mad. And I just... You, you were devastated afterwards, yeah, I mean, right? I mean, of course, because I wanted to, to run fast. But, right. I mean, speed wasn't my specialty. That wasn't my thing. You know, being able to run is great. Being fast and running a straight line is great. But the game of football is not played in a straight line. I'm not sure why they still focus on the 40 anyway. It's funny, though. I, I was reading a, a story from back then, and you were quoted as, you know, something along the lines of, uh, you know, you'd love, obviously, to play for your hometown Miami Dolphins, oh. but there's no way you're going to be drafted by them because they're picking too late in the first round. They have picked number 26. And then where do you end up getting um, drafted? Was it the sixth pick of the second round, if I'm not mistaken? So they're nine. Yeah, I think something like that. Six picks of the second or something around that. Around that. I was happy, though. I was happy. You know the feeling, man, when that name scrolls down to the bottom of that screen, you get that phone call before, and it's Mike Brown. Hey, Dick Laveau at the time was the, was the head coach. You know, we're taking you for the sixth selection. Dude, I was, I was so turned. And I was in a room all by myself, family, everybody was out front. You know, I was by myself in the room just watching the draft. And that was such a sigh of relief. And when I hung up, I just thought about everything I went through to get to this point. And the time I almost quit, just, just all, all the little things, all the little stuff. It just, and that's where those tears came from. What was it like uh, running through the tunnel at your first game? It was crazy. It's crazy. I've never seen that many people, that many people screaming an individual name at once. And to come out and hear that name was really dope in front of 70,000. That's new. I was at Corvallis, you know, they, they only sit, what, maybe 30, 20 at that time. You got to think back then, Reese Stadium wasn't that big. And 70, 80,000 screaming Chad. 85 jerseys filling the stadium. You won't be able to match that again. You said, uh, looking back, you should have stayed in Cincinnati. Why? It would have been great to be, to be around when times were good. Because I, I never knew what it felt like to win at the place I felt like was home. Being in New England was great. It was great because I got the chance to win. I didn't get the chance to contribute the way I'd like to. It was, it was a great feeling, but I would have loved to be home, what I consider home, and what I know inside and out. But that's the way the game is. You know, you, you don't stay there long. It happens very, very, very seldom. You know, Larry Fitzgerald has been where he's been for a while. Even Jerry Rice moved twice. Just it's unfortunate. You apparently, at least at that time, felt betrayed by the head coach, Marvin Lewis. There were reports that you threatened to sit out a, a season. Looking back on all that now, Threatened how do me, you miss football? It's not happening. Yeah. It's not happening. And he wouldn't even, he would laugh at that anyway. So would everyone else, knowing the way I love the game. I'm not sitting out. How do you view all, all of that today, though, the whatever drama 
went on with Cincinnati back when it really you were wasn't, it was no drama it wasn't that bad you think about it it wasn't a problem child I got grew frustrated at one point from the losing as anyone would and that's really all it was yeah, just sick and yeah. tired you're, you're of being sick and tired yes. kind of yes it, it happens it happens you know it happens I, I I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't cause any problems. I had fun playing the game of football. I made it fun to be a Bengal fan again. I made it, I made it okay to wear a Cincinnati jersey outside the state of Cincinnati. It was okay. I made it cool, you know? But, you know, at, at one point it just, it wore me. What do you think could have been done differently? I don't know. Not my place. <laughs> not my place. I'm not a GM. If I knew, then I'd be in that position to make those calls. Right. I, I never, I never give my input on something I know nothing about. Because okay. if I did, then I'd be in a position and do it. But I mean, how do you know they weren't doing everything they could? We would have been winning, I would suppose, huh? I, that's it. You know, I, I've never, I never talked bad about the organization. I never did. Yeah. Never said anything bad. I just said I was tired of losing. Right. You know. Right. Which I guess makes. Sense. I mean, from the organization standpoint, I'm sure they're like, we're paying you a lot of money, just you know, stay here and play. And from your standpoint, you're thinking you're one of the top players in the league. You're sick of losing. You want to, you know, yeah. start contributing on a yeah, I winning didn't, team. I didn't look at it so much that like that. I just, I just wanted to win, mm -hmm. you know. I did my job. You know, I had fun doing it. I didn't do it the way most felt I should have been doing it. You know, I didn't conform to the ways of the NFL. You know, I had my own way of doing things, the way I was taught the game should be played, and I stuck to that. I stuck to those values, and you know, some liked it, some didn't, but I was damn good at what I did. How much were you fined over the course of your career? That's a good question. People ask me that all the time, and I have no clue. I have no clue on a set amount on how much it's been over time. If you, you have guess. To, I don't even know. Even if I had to guess, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, in the hundreds of thousands? I mean, easily. Because they would get me for, for simple stuff, color of my shoes, my socks, you know, my chin strap, the tape on my wrist, wrong gloves. And you almost embraced it, though, at the time. Yeah. I mean, it was almost yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pay it any. I didn't pay it any mind. And they, the, whole, the whole point, this is, this is a funny thing about the NFL. They go after what they think you value most. NFL thinks that most of us made it to that point, and we value money the most. But unfortunately, that was not one of the most important values to me, which is why I continue to do the same thing over and over. This is an entertainment. This game is for entertainment. People pay $75 a ticket, and they're going to get their money's worth every week. I'm not here for your money. It's great that I made it to a point where I'm able to make millions doing something that I love, but that's not the sole reason why I'm here. You at all regret blowing the money on fines? No, for what? Okay. I made it up in the offseason anyway. Yeah. And I guess in reality, it was some of the antics that got the big endorsement deals because people exactly. were entertained by. So whatever the, they took, I the just I made up. exactly. Your uh, favorite touchdown celebration. I never got the opportunity to do it. What was it? We were playing the Kansas City Chiefs. If I'm not, if I'm not, yeah, we were playing the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. We had already, we were already. I think it might have been in 2005 year, if I'm not mistaken. And I am. Um, the, the easy button from the stable commercial had just came out. Okay. And I put two easy buttons on the north and south end zone. And I was going to score and grab the easy <laughs> button from under there and, you know, take it over to Carson and have him hit it. And I think that would have been 
one of my favorites, but I never, I didn't score that game, unfortunately. And you didn't have a Staples endorsement deal. I would have had one after that. You would have had one after yeah. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> what about other ones you were able to do? Um, probably the one I liked the most is probably the marriage proposal. Okay. The marriage proposal was, was pretty, like, I remember telling the cheerleaders before the game, I'm not sure what end zone would happen, but just pay attention and just go along. I didn't even tell them what I was going to do. I said, just pay attention. So whoever I got to first, she already knew what, it was, what, I was, ha what was happening, yeah. even though it was just we were mocking the proposal. Um, Christmas time, we played Buffalo, scoring and giving out, um, throwing the presents in the stands out of the Santa bag was pretty cool. Yeah, that was neat. I kind of like the Hall of Fame induction thing. I like the Hall of Fame jacket. I, I also liked I, when Carson uh, ripped the Ocho Cinco thing off. Yeah, name off the back. I like the Hall of Fame thing because I felt I got into a point where I think I'm a Hall of Fame player, and I'd rather not deal with the politics and wait for the real thing to happen. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm already inducted. My numbers say they are good enough to be there. I didn't win a championship. I didn't get any rings. Unfortunately, it happens. How are you doing financially? I've been broke. I've been broke since 78. <laughs> no. What do you mean, no? What do you mean you've been broke since 78? I don't have, we don't have money. You think athletes have money? You made a fortune during your football career. No, dude. The people signing the check have a fortune. Well, okay, it's all relative, but to, you know, 99.9% .9 of the population, you were making a okay. fortune, maybe not compared to the billionaire okay. NFL owners, but 99% of the population. Where I'm from, a, right. I'm not rich, or I'm not well, I'm, I'm well off, if that's what you say it. Well off. And you're still well off today. Yeah, I'm cheap. You haven't followed me over the years? Hey, your friend uh, Trent, who I was talking to, said, um, you know, when you guys will go out to lunch, he will, mm -hmm. he will force you to let him pay but, sometimes, yeah. but everybody else you pay for, so you can't yeah, be that it, cheap. It was, it, was, it, was, it was weird. It was weird, but I am cheap. The way I move, the way I live, the lifestyle I've lived over the years, if you followed me, even if you're a fan, you know, like, I've always shown small instances, like, for instance, on Hard Knocks. Shopping at Claire's. My jewelry has always been fake. Rolexes, diamonds, everything is cubic zirconia because it all shines the same when the light hits it. If you already have money, there's no reason to buy anything real, which I've tried to explain well, you numerous like times. You had like a dozen exotic cars, didn't you? Or, you know, a dozen cars, some of which were exotic. Me? Yeah. I had a Ferrari, I had a Lamborghini and a Phantom, all which were bought with TV money. Okay. What, what is it like, though, when you know, the, the football checks obviously stop coming because you're no longer playing, but the kind of day-to-day living expenses remain the same. That um, My living expenses, my, my only overhead was child support, which is structurally done between myself and the mothers. Okay. That's my living expense. That was always, that's, 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 that's all I have. I didn't have a house here, I didn't have a house there. Like, you don't understand how simple I really live. You know, there's a perception and then there's reality. So it was important to you to make smart financial decisions over the yeah, course of your... I did, what, I did early. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't make any extremely bad ones because I didn't do any of those ridiculous investments. Mm -hmm. I didn't put money... Like, I was, I was extremely safe in, in a sense and didn't do anything crazy. What made you realize you needed to make 
those smart decisions? I don't know. I went through a phase. I went through a phase. That phase of mine was only two years. It got boring because the things that people like to do, I'm not even into it. I don't drink alcohol. So I'm not in the club popping bottles and spending 50K for a group of, group of people. I didn't have an entourage. The entourage that I had didn't even want to deal with me growing up as a kid and definitely didn't want to surround themselves around me once I made it because of the attention that they brought. So I didn't have to spend on them. So where's my money going? It's really nowhere for it to go. I'm not trying to live up to society standards. I was an oddball when I was playing. I didn't want to fit in with anyone else. Everything I did, I wanted to be over here on my own. I was completely different. And so, which is why I keep trying to explain how my transition really wasn't that difficult because I wasn't living crazy when I was making it. Why do you think the perception out there was different? Because I made it that way, the way I played, you know? The interviews, the, the, the celebrations, you know? The mainstream media was able to, you know, sort of build up this perception to the masses on this is the way I was when, you know, behind closed doors, I'm nothing like that. Which is why I would love when Twitter came along because it sort of knocked the middleman out the way. Best lesson you've learned over the years about money and finance would be what? Money and finance, the best lesson. Just save it, period. It looks better coming in than going out. That's always, that's always, that's always been my thing, always. What do you think of the NFL's handling of domestic violence cases? Are they doing enough, you think? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I would, even myself in the position that I'm in, I, would, I would, would love to be one who would be an advocate for it, especially after messing up. But I don't think someone like my, I don't even think they would allow me to do so. So I've, I've never even tried. I've never even tried to be a voice for it because I just think, like, I messed up so bad that it's not even worth a shot. Well, but, I mean, first-hand experiences with that and being able to talk about that are sometimes the most effective teaching tools. Yeah, but sometimes, uh, I don't know, that's a very touchy subject. It's a very iffy subject, you know? And I kind of just, I mean, it's been years, it's been years, and I kind of sort of let the situation, it's never going to go away, but I just tend not to bring it up, tend not to say anything about it. And, you know, at times, like now, I always just always apologize to those that I've hurt, you know, and those that, are, that still haven't forgiven me, so. How tough was that period for you to go through? Very, extremely tough, for one, I messed up, big time, big time. And when everything happened, I came out right away and took full responsibility. Regardless of what you said, regardless of what anyone else said, I messed up. Regardless of to how anybody tried to finagle the situation or say this is why it happened or, or I shouldn't have done this, Chad messed up. That's it, there's nothing I can do. I apologize to my family. My friends, I apologize to her a million times. I apologize to everyone that would accept my apology. And I understood what was to come or what was going to come after the fact. 
So all I could do was do that. I took a few classes, a few anger management classes, counseling after that, being able to learn how to channel my anger the right way. There are not very few, I'm angry very, 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 very few times. Because if you know me personally, I am always an outgoing, loving person, just having fun. And a few times that I do get mad, I've learned how to channel that anger the right way, which is something that I never was able to do before. What do you remember from being in jail? It was cold as <laughs> You think about your mistake, you know, when you're in, when you're in like that. And, you know, the short time that I did spend in there, I knew I wouldn't play again. You didn't yeah. think you'd play again? No, of course not. I was on the back end of my career. And then the magnitude of the mistake that I made, no team was going to deal with the backlash from that, especially with a high-profile player coming back. It wasn't happening. Your friend was uh, telling me as this was all going on, you actually uh, one night are sitting on mm -hmm. your grandma's porch, I think with him, uh, you know, just getting emotional mm -hmm. uh, about the fact that, you know, your now ex-wife wasn't uh, returning your calls. What's that like for you to go through at the time? It hurt. It was karma. Karma? That was my karma. Why? Just was. For all, the, for all the people I've ever done wrong, for all the women I've probably ever done wrong, that's, that's how I thought about it, you know? Not the incident itself. Not the incident itself of me messing up. I mean, just in, in all. It was a way of God saying, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. And it happened. It, I don't want to say it happened for a reason, but I mean, just on my end, my part, in the way I was moving in general. But as a result of what happened, you were able to take your life in an even more positive direction. Bingo, there you go. Everything was slowed down because I was, I was moving. Like I was, I was moving. And what do you mean? It's, it's a figure of speech. It's no way to explain it. You know, you would have to understand. You would have to, to understand. I was moving in a way I shouldn't have been moving, if that makes sense. Not doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm over here to the left. Remember, but I'm you over could, to that, but looking I'm back, you probably could have been making exactly. better decisions with stuff. Bingo. Okay. I wasn't moving the way I should have been moving. What would you say is the most satisfying moment from your career? You know what? I never even got to finish it the right way. So I think that one will always be empty. Yeah, I never got to finish it the right way. You know, I had to go to the CFL to finish, to get that feeling of completion, but I didn't get to finish my career in the NFL the right way. Maybe if they retire 85. Maybe when I come back and do my retirement speech in Cincinnati, maybe that will be the finishing touch or answer to that question. But right now, it's just it's void, it's empty. Isn't that though kind of being unfair to yourself? I mean, because you played so well for so long, achieved so much, and while you might not have won the Super Bowl in Cincinnati, or you might not have finished how you wanted to finish, I mean, it's a career that just I mean, about so everybody entering the NFL yeah. would have died to have had. That's great. But so basically what you just said is you just wrote a great sentence and forgot to put the period at the end.
There's no period to everything you just said. Yes, the sentence is great, but it's not complete until that period is there. There's no period. And you aren't sure yet what that period will exactly. be. Exactly. Thank you very much. I love you, dude. <laughs> my, my pants. I do. No, no, no bullshit. I can't feel my right leg. The circulation in my pants because I'm sitting in the same place for so long. That does it for this week's podcast. For more of my interview with Johnson, plus a FIFA video game match with some Twitter fans and our pickup soccer game, head over to youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger. Thanks again for listening.